Well, we are in the middle of a series. Um, if you're visiting us, I'm letting you know, and if you've been here a long time, I'm letting you know as well because you've probably forgotten. But we are in the middle of a series on relationships and how to do relationships well. And we began with relationship with God, which is the relationship from which all others spring. And we've looked at um, singleness and the gift of celibacy. We've looked at friendship. We've looked at identity. Um, uh, we've looked at marriage. And we've looked at a couple of other things that I can't remember. And uh, um, if you've missed a, a talk, or if you wanted to watch one again, they're all up on our Soul Survivor Watford YouTube channel. We have now a Soul Survivor Watford YouTube channel. And to get to it, I know you know this, um, but I didn't. All you have to do is go on YouTube and type in Soul Survivor Watford and it appears. And if you subscribe, you'll be told um, uh, uh, when new things are on. So all the talks are videoed and uh, they're, they're on that. Why are we doing a series on relationships? Well, one of the main reasons is because uh, we're very, very aware that in our society, we don't do relationships well. We really don't. We've lost the art of maintaining relationships over a period. And we see that in all sorts of ways. We see that in the breakdown of friendships, in the breakdown of committed relationships even. Uh, we see that in the way we've, we form ourselves into silos of like-minded people. And we see anyone who's not in our silo as the enemy. And uh, uh, some of the nastiness that can be on social media is, is absolutely horrifying. And uh, even this morning, as I was, uh, as I was getting ready to come uh, to church for the first service, I, um, I, just, I just went on Twitter to see if anyone liked my latest tweet, because that's what you do when you're insecure. And uh, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't help but see the thread. And there was, and there was, there were threads there of, you know, I've been really hurt and I've been really broken, and uh, I was gossiped about, and it was unfair, and, and I felt disempowered, and I'm really hurting. And this is people for whom it happened at church, let alone anywhere else. And you see all that horrible stuff. There's that dear young lady, um, I've forgotten her name, I always forget her name, who, Carol, Carol Flack, Caroline Flack. Uh, Caroline, I don't watch TV, except BBC News 24. So boring. And uh, Caroline Flack, who, who killed herself, and, and the circumstances that she might have made a mistake. She might have done something wrong. And she got hammered for it. And she got ended up so alone in that place and publicly humiliated. And, and the thing is, is who, who doesn't make mistakes? There isn't a human being who doesn't get something wrong. But she was done in for it. And then I, it I hate, it was horrible, I wept. I saw, um, was it, yes, two days ago on YouTube. Did you see the video of, and on TV, of that nine-year-old boy in Australia who, who'd been mercilessly bullied and, uh, and, and his mother filmed him and, and he was crying just for six minutes in the car, crying and saying, I, I just want to kill myself. Somebody please kill me. I don't want to live. Because of bullying, it breaks your heart. And, and then, and of course, there is the positive, because then you saw um, some people, some others who 
Um, Hugh Jackman, the actor, I don't know if you saw that, he posted a video to this lad saying, you've got a friend in me, come on, you can see it through, I know you're stronger than you think. And what I love about that, it's not just because of that, but Hugh Jackman is actually a committed Christian. And he and his wife, uh, they're involved in leading a charity with friends of mine in New York. And he fronts that, and he does a lot more than anyone realizes um, to bring uh, justice to society. And there were others who, who, who responded, but it's heartbreaking seeing it all. And we see in our culture... Uh, that, that if any, we, 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 we've lost the art of disagreeing well. You know, if someone disagrees with you, they're your enemy. I can't remember which philosopher it was for sure, but I think it was Rousseau about 200 years ago who made this statement, I disagree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. And now in our culture, Everyone wants to silence the voice or mock the voice of anyone who thinks or says something differently. And it's become a cruel world. And it's become a nasty world. And it is reflected in our politics in this country and in the United States. And I'm not talking about one side. It's, it's, it's all sides. It's both sides. And we have an opportunity. In fact, it's a necessity in the church to march to the beat of a different drum and to do relationships differently. Sadly, too often, the church has aped the world and we've gone for power games in the way the world around us does. And people are searching. They are longing for community. Some of you have heard us say this again and again and again, and we're going to keep beating this drum until, until we get there. And we are. In this church, we're doing... There's so many wonderful things, so many. It's not like that. We don't have politics. I love the fact that, 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 that people love each other, that it's, it's, there's such a unity among us. But you know what? It's, it's a unity to be guarded. And so that's why we're doing this series. Also, we're doing this series on relationships because we understand the theology of this. That the, the, the greatest commandment is that we love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second commandment is like the first one. It's like it. It's the same as the first one. It completes the first one. That we love our neighbor as ourselves. And I, every now and then I meet people who say, well, I love God. I've got such a wonderful relationship with God. But, you know, I don't get on with church. I don't like other people. I just have my own private relationship with God. And, and I want to say to them, have you read the book? Have you read that that's impossible? Do you realize you're deceiving yourself if you think that that can happen? It's not how it works. Our relationships and our love for one another completes our love for God. It is worship. And so we've looked at all these different things tonight. I'm never going to get through a fraction of them because I tried twice this morning and failed miserably. Uh, we're going to look at um, the, um, the one another sayings of the New Testament. And uh, I've known these one another sayings for years and years and years, but I didn't realize until I started preparing for this, there are actually 59 <coughs> one another sayings in the New Testament, 59 of them. So that's a lot about how we relate to one another. 
uh, in the church. A third of them, a third of them are about unity. A third of the one another saints. God is into unity. He loves it when we're united. He, like any parent, you know, any parent loves it when they see their kids getting on and are heartbroken when they see that their kids seem to hate each other. And our Father God is no different. He loves to see us united. So a third are about unity. Another third are simply about a part of unity, about loving one another. Do you know how many times it says to love one another? In fact, just simply the command to love one another is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve times it simply says love one another in the New Testament. And then there's a whole load of other times where it says through love serve one another, uh, be devoted to one another in love. I love that. Romans 12 verse 10, be devoted to one another in love. And did you know that it also, there's about six times, one, two, three, four, five, there are six times when uh, we're, we're, we're told to kiss one another, to greet one another with a holy kiss, to kiss one Now, if we're going to be evangelical Christians, if we're going to be Bible-believing, where is that happening? Where is that happening in our midst? I just want to let you know, at the end of this service, I will be standing by the door. <laughs> That's a joke. Don't even try to kiss me. I'll punch your head in. Um, but... But, you know, it, it's, it's everywhere. I just want to look at a few. And uh, if you want to know more, we've got sheets at the back with all of the one another sayings on them with the Bible references. Do take one. If we run out, I'll put it, we'll put it on the website and our Facebook page for Soul Survivor Watford so you can see it. But here we go. Um, I'm going to miss out loads. Uh, how about we start with Ephesians 4.32? Can we put that on the screen? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I just want to, for a moment, just keep that up for a bit. I just want to focus on that first bit, be kind. Do you know, in a world that is unkind, to practice kindness. And do you know, this isn't about a feeling. It's not about feel kind. It's choose to be kind. And, and so often what we do is we, we think about how we feel, and we think how we feel is who we are. Your feelings are not you. Your choices are you. You are the choices you make, not the feelings you have. And if we always go by our feelings, then we won't get anywhere. But if we make choices, good choices, our feelings eventually follow our choices. And it's a choice to be kind, to be kind to those who are broken, to be kind to those who have messed up, because we're all broken and we've all messed up. Uh, to, to say something kind. You know, it was just a couple of weeks ago we said that um, it's not an anagram or whatever it is. Um, what is it? Acronym. Uh, before you speak, think. T, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? K, is it kind? If it's not all of those things, shut your mouth. That's really good advice. Um, it, it, be, be, be kind. Choose kindness. Choose to, to say the encouraging thing. 
You know, and compassionate to one another. You know, compassion is something you put on. Clothe yourselves with compassion, it says in the Bible. So when you're getting, when I'm putting on my, my shirt in the morning, you know, I, I, I want to imagine, right, I'm putting on my shirt, but I'm also clothing myself in compassion. I'm choosing. And you know what? When you choose to live compassion, you start to feel compassionate. Your feelings follow. And then forgive each other. Now, this comes again and again and again. Uh, let's look at Corinthians 3.13. Um, bear one another's, bear with one another. Oh, there we are. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If anyone of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Bear with each other and forgive each other. Do you know this comes again and again and again about forgiving each other? Why? Because it is absolutely central. In the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught us, we're told to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And then Jesus says something that is really shocking and hard. If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father in heaven will not forgive you your sins. That's a pretty scary thing. Now, for, for, for me, forgiveness has been the hardest bit of being a Christian for years. And I blame it on my ethnicity. I blame it on my heritage. You are all sinners. You sin. I am Greek. That's my excuse. I don't sin, I'm Greek. That's how I like to phrase it. And, and you've heard of the Greek vendetta. Well, it's deep, deep in our psyche as Greeks. It, it's, it's there, it's in our blood, and it's horrible. It's utterly horrible. And, you know, in the Greek vendetta, it's uh, you insult my brother, I insult your brother. You insult my brother, I kill your brother. Um, you kill my brother, I kill your whole family. You kill my whole family, I kill your whole village. You kill my whole village, I kill your whole country. And it goes on like that, and it is absolutely like that. When I was growing out, I could never remember which of the relatives we weren't talking to at any one time because we'd have a fallout with them and because they'd done something. And, and this is awful. When you, get, when you get really old, when you get to my age, uh, and some of you that are about my age, you, you might have noticed this as well. You start remembering things from your childhood that you'd forgotten for years, and it suddenly comes back to you. It's really scary, and it's really weird, and it's almost like preparation for death. You know, oh, I've just remembered that. Well, here's one that came back to me a little while ago. Um, I, we, I had this aunt called Auntie Cristalla, and we detested her as a family. But we had her around regularly, and she was so... She was so posh and she was so upper herself and, and she, was so, she, was, she was richer than we were and didn't she let us know it and her hair was always coiffured, she always had her best clothes and we had this regal visit. Well, we didn't like her and um, uh, there was one uh, day she paid us a visit and she was sitting in the armchair in the corner of the living room. And I saw where she was sitting exactly in, in the corner. And so I went upstairs and I made these whole, whole bottles, milk bottles. I filled loads of milk bottles with orange juice. And then I found the spot in my bedroom, which was over where she was sitting. I pulled the carpet back. I, I took up a floorboard and I poured orange squash, orange squash 
into the, the hole. And as she was sitting there looking regal, suddenly this, this orange squash was dripping on her perfectly coiffured hair and was going there. And she said, there's a leak, there's a leak. And then she said, it's orange squash. And everyone was like, how can there be orange squash going? And I, was, I thought I was, I was giving one for the family for our honour. I was pretty pleased, but I didn't expect the response. And everyone, like my dad came upstairs and he said, what has happened? Uh, there is orange, orange squash pouring down into the living room. Did you pour orange squash? I said, no, I didn't. I didn't. And my dad said, Michael, you need to tell me the truth because we're going to have to get a plumber because clearly we've got a leak in the pipe and orange squash is, is leaking from the, water, from the pipes onto this. Now, now if you, it'll cost a lot of money to get a plumber in. If you tell me it was you, there will be no punishment. And I thought, you're on. So I said, it was me. He lied to me. He lied. I got punished. Uh, but do you know, I just, I just know what that vendetta is like when you hold on to grievances, when you hold on to bitterness, and it becomes a root of bitterness. And the trouble with that is it messes up your life more than it messes up someone else's life. Now, I've had to go on a journey of learning about forgiveness. And forgiveness is a decision you make before it's a feeling that you have. And this is how it, it, it's worked with me. I don't know about you, but if someone I hardly know insults me or says something to me, it's a bit like water of a duck's back. And I'll tell you, the last three months, I have had more vitriol against me on social media than in the whole of the rest of my life put together. I have had hundreds of horrible, nasty, vicious, evil comments on social media for three months against me. And uh, they've all been about my hair. Yeah, and they've all been, get your hair cut. You look ridiculous. Uh, shave it off. Da, 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 da. And do you know what? I think I don't care. I don't care what you think. It's my hair. I like it. <laughs> I'm going to have it like this. And, 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 and I don't care. But if someone close to me, if someone close to me hurts me, then that goes deep. I can't shrug that off. And do you remember the disciples once said to Jesus, um, they said, Jesus, how many times should we forgive? And they said, seven times. And the reason they said seven times is because seven in the Bible is the number of completeness. It's on the seventh day God rested from his labors. So seven is the number of completeness. And for example, I mean, everyone knows who's got any sense that it, it's, it's people who are born on the seventh day of the month that are special, that are particularly anointed and gifted. On the seventh day of the month when they're born. And, um, and, and, and so... Uh, they say seven times. Is it seven times? And then Jesus says, no, not seven times, 70 times seven. That's not a reason to get your calculator out and work out how many times you forgive. What it means is you keep on forgiving. And I used to think that meant that I had to forgive you once and you once and you once and you once. That's not how it works in real life. Usually it's I have to forgive you again and again and again. How long? 
until it doesn't hurt anymore. Until it doesn't hurt anymore. And this is how, over years, I've tried to get around this one. When someone really hurts me, and, and I know it says, you know, I've got to forgive if, or God won't forgive me, I say to myself and God and everyone else, yes, I've forgiven them. And what I say is, I've forgiven this person. God is just not calling me to spend time with them anymore. I am a busy pastor. I have so many people to pastor. Yes, I used to pastor you a little bit, but now I've gone on to other things. And do you know what that does? That fools other people, and it can fool me. But do you know who it never fools? It never fools God. So do you know what he does? He is so sneaky, it's unbelievable. I will be in church on a Sunday, and I'll be in the middle of worshipping the Lord. I will be lost in wonder, love, and praise. I will be in the middle of, ooh, you're beautiful, ooh, and I'm ooing with the best of them, and telling him he's beautiful, when suddenly, suddenly, as I'm gazing upon Jesus, the face of this person comes into my mind, and it's like this horrible shock. What that, what, what's that coming to my mind for? And I rebuke the devil, and I say, get this person out of my mind. I'm worshipping Jesus. I'm worshipping in purity. Ooh. But this person's face stays in my head. And I discover it's not the devil. It's God. It's God who says, if you think you can love me but hate your brother or sister, you're lying to yourself. You're lying. That's what it says in 1 John. And so then it comes to the stage where I have to start dealing with it. And you know when you have a... a a thing with God, you know, he always wins in the end. He always wins. So it's like, okay, Lord, you've beaten me down. Okay, I'll forgive them. And the reason I won't forgive them, and I have very good reasons, is, but if I just forgive them like that, it's cheap grace, Lord. I mean, if I just forgive them like that, how will they learn their lesson? They will do this to someone else. I owe it to future generations, to hold unforgiveness against them until they really pay. And then the Lord says, mm, don't think so. Don't think it works like that, Mike. And then eventually it's like, okay, Lord, I give in. I forgive them. And then I speak forgiveness in my heart about them. And then it's like a burden has lifted. It's like this, but I feel, I feel like, oh, this feels so much better. And you know, that lasts until I think about what I forgave them for. And then it's like, oh, I forgave them because they did that to me. And it's like, oh, no. Oh, no, what do I do? And the Lord says, forgive again. Again? Okay, I release forgiveness again. And then I can maintain my forgiveness. If, the, if I go to a party, which is a silly thing to say because I never go to parties because I don't like people. Uh, but if I went to a party, just imagine, and this person who's hurt me is there. And if, if I'm the life and soul of the party because of my personality, and this person is in a corner 
uh, looking miserable and lonely and no one's talking to them, then I can find it easy to maintain my forgiveness. And after a while, I might go up to them and say, come here, you little person. Come here. I know you're feeling bad because of what you did to me, but you've suffered enough. Come here. Come under my wing. I will introduce you to some of my friends, and they will be nice to you now as I will. I find that easy. But if I go to the party and I walk in, and that person is the life and soul of the party, and they're laughing and joking and having a great time, then it rises up again. I can't let them off. They haven't suffered. And then the Lord says, forgive again. Forgive again. How many times until it doesn't hurt anymore? Because he's in charge. And vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And he knows what he's doing. And the person that gets the most poisoned through unforgiveness is me. Is me. And so we make a choice. We make a choice to forgive uh, where shall we go now? Uh, um, ah, James 5.16. This is a good one. Confess your sins to one another. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And you know what? This is really, really important. This isn't just for Roman Catholics. This is for all of us. And you know what? There is something healing about confessing to someone else, about saying whether it's about I, I'm struggling to forgive. Do you know what we love to do is when we've got an issue, we love to say after we've sorted the issue, this is my testimony. But none of us like saying it when we're in the middle. But sometimes, you know, when we're in the middle of something, when we're in the middle of a struggle, we can't see things clearly. And, and sometimes we need to go to someone. We need to be wise about who we go to. One or maybe two people that we, that we love, that we know love us, that we know are wise, that we'll know, we know they know how to keep a secret. And we say to them, and they can speak truth to us. They can tell us about an alternative reality to the one that we saw. And then it's like, oh my goodness, this is how it really is. This is how it really is. I just want to give you just a couple of quick examples and then we're going to land, okay? Um, uh, uh, there's a guy that's coming to us in May called Jim McNeish, who's a very good friend of mine. And he is utterly brilliant and he helps businesses and business leaders with understanding different kinds of people he's a management consultant but he's so much more than that and he loves Jesus and he has helped many of us and it's changed my life to be honest and he helped me to see you know I, I was under this illusion that everyone is like me anyone ever been there so if you react like that to that situation if I was in that situation and I reacted like that, it would be for this. And we start, we start questioning people's motives. And uh, it's one thing to, to, to judge actions, but we're called, it, it, uh, it, it comes up here, uh, not to judge one another's motives. Because nobody knows. You think you know what's going on in someone else's head. But even if you've been married for 50 years, don't assume that you do. Don't assume that you do. There's always more to find out about something. And we're all built differently. So there was this one, there was this one uh, Christian leader, not from this church, that I would meet at 
meet, meet uh, regularly at Christian leaders' conferences. And, uh, and I would meet him, and there would be this one time I'd meet him, and he would be, Mike, my friend. He'd give me a hug. How are you doing? You've got to come and stay with us. My wife and I would love you to come stay for a weekend in our house. Come and stay for a week. Oh, yes. And he'd tease me, and he'd joke with me, and I'd be thinking, this is my best friend. This is my new best friend. This, is, this person's great. And then I'd meet him again at another thing, maybe two months later. And I'd go up to him and say, oh, my best friend, come here, come here. And he would just blank me. And he would just, it would be like his eyes wouldn't be there. And have you ever, you know, you'd given someone, have you ever been in a place where you've given someone a hug and you've overdone it? And they've frozen and they've gone stiff on you. And you've thought, what is wrong? You know, this is so embarrassing. I'm, and they're like this, you know? And, and all of that. Well, it felt like that emotionally uh, to me. And I, was, I would get... And one time he'd be my best... And then another time he brought me in. And I thought, this guy's a git. You know, I, I don't like him. I'm going to... Right, I'm going to teach him a lesson. I'm going to blank him first. Oh, I hope he's at this meeting because... When if he looks at me, I should look away. And I should be great friends with everyone else. I'll make him suffer. And then I was talking about this with my friend Jim, because he knows my friend Jim as well. And I was explaining, oh. Uh, and Jim said to me, Mike, you don't get it. You don't get it. He's just not like you. And he said, what it is with this person is I know him and I know that he gets, he gets claustrophobic if he feels he takes people making the first move as, um, as a threat. It's something to do with his childhood. So he won't, if you come up, Big Bear Mike, hello. He's not thinking, oh, love. He's thinking, he's going to squash me. He's going to kill me. And it's, it's physically, but it's also emotionally. So what you have to do is you have to let him make the first move because then it's at his pace and he's comfortable. If you make the first move, he can't help it. It's not that he's playing a game. It's, it's like he goes into defensive mode. Uh, don't do that. And when I realized that, I thought, oh, if only I had thought that there might be another reason. And I remember I met his wife at a thing um, a little while later, and I can't believe I said this. I said it to her. I said, I used to think your husband was a git. And now I've had him explain to me, I realise that he's not a git. He just, he just, he, he just doesn't like other people, um, you know, swamping him. And she said, oh, my. And I said, Jim, Jim, Jim McNeish explained him to me. And, and she actually said to me, she said, Mike, Jim McNeish saved my marriage because he explained him to me. And I could understand that he wasn't loving me one day, not loving me another, blowing hot and cold. And I could understand what was going on. Do you know what? If we understand our differences, if we understand that what, what is, you know, what is a great, a great discussion, passionate discussion between two people for what for one person is you're attacking who I am for another person and then we learn to love people where they're at not where we're at and and there's something about not judging one another that that's that's in here again and again and again 
not, not judging one another. I'll just say this and, and close. Um, Andy Croft, who leads this church with me, we're, we're, we're absolutely great friends, as I think everyone knows. We're great, great friends. Um, but we drive each other nuts because we're so different. And we do. We, we, sometimes we... You know, and we both get... When we get both get irritated at the same time, it's quite spectacular. Um, and, 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 and the difference is between us is um, I'm um, spontaneous. Um, I'm interesting. I'm warm. I'm a feeler. I, 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 I like to... To, 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 to take time over things, whereas Andy is a robot. You know, he, he could have come out of the dialects, you know? And, and with Andy, everything has to have an agenda. And it's like, I just don't do agendas. I hate agendas. Agendas make me feel like I've gone to prison. But he has to have an agenda. And with Andy, everything has to have an outcome. And it's like, and it, and it's like it doesn't work like that. So when we have pastors' meetings on a Tuesday... Um, Andy has his agendas and it's all about right we go through and we watch the time and we have to have a decision and we have to have a decision and any pastors meeting that has me Ruth Yule and Juliet Johnson in it is going to have digressions we are not going to stick to it so we go off on tangents and we enjoy the tangents and I can see Andy at first he tolerates it and then he starts clenching his fists as we're talking about all sorts of things that are nothing to do with the agenda item. And he's like that. And then he says, stop. Okay, let's get back to it. We need to make a decision. And my thing is, why do we need to make a decision? We're having a nice time. <laughs> we're loving each other. And, and the other thing is, for me, I like, to, I like in meetings to air the problem. And I'm not interested in coming up with a solution. I just love discussing it. And so, oh, we've just discussed it. Let's discuss it next week. And let's air it until we come eventually to a thing. It drives him nuts. When he tries to rush me into decision, I'm like, you're cornering me. You're rushing me. You're cornering me. This is, this is robotic. How can we listen to the Lord when we're, when we're trying to rush just for the sake of making a decision? And all of that. And we've had to learn that we're different. So now what happens, as we've talked about it, because we love each other, you know, he'll give me time. I usually get 10 minutes <laughs> to go off on any tangent I wish. And I have my 10 minutes of fun. And then when I'm satisfied, I, I bless him. And I say, okay, let's go on to the agenda. And let us make decisions now. And that's how we do it. And you know what? One of the scriptures here, one of the others is submit to one another. Uh, submit to one, where is it? Uh, Ephesians 5.21. Ephesians 5.21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Do you know when you love each other, you will submit to one another. And what that does is it says, this is, this is, this is mutual. This is, this is because we love each other. And you know what learning to submit to one another does? It, it takes from us the terrible burden of always having to have our own way. And anyone who's in any sort of family, you know there has to be give and take. You know, and in the family of the church, to learn to prefer one another, 
to submit to one another. And then, this is just in two minutes, I've left it, this is a mess. Um, uh, we're, we're also, um, uh, James 4 verse 11, can we put that up? James 4 verse 11. Um, it says in my version, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. It's do not slander one another. Guys, we have to be so careful about how we speak to, about one another behind each other's backs. You know, I, when someone tells you a secret, when someone tells you something that's precious to them, there are things I know about my good friends that will go to the grave with me. But there is a good, there is a, a way to gossip. And I love doing it like this. How about gossiping good things about people behind their backs? Do you know, sometimes I find out what one of my close friends has said about me to other people. And you know what? It means even more that they said it to them than they said it to me. Because they didn't think that it would get back to me. You know what? Let's gossip the good things. And I, I love it when, you know, and, and, when, and when we mess up, let's not broadcast our friends' failures, our friends' brokenness, our friends' sin. Love covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't cover up a multitude of sins. It covers, it protects. Love always protects. And I love the story of when Noah got drunk in his tent and he fell asleep completely naked. His two sons came with a blanket and they walked backwards and they covered their father's nakedness with a blanket and they walked backwards so that they wouldn't see his nakedness. Let's do that for one another. Let's, I love it that I've got some great friends like Andy and others who, who will tell me the truth to my face but fiercely, fiercely defend me to other people. They've got my back. And do you know what it gives the freedom it gives me, the freedom it gives me to know that there are people who are for me even when I get it wrong. So, the one another sayings of the New Testament. I've only mentioned a few and I've done it very haphazardly. I apologize for that. I'm just learning how to pre preach. Um, but I hope some of it speaks to you. Some of it resonates with you. Um, let's go for it together because God is calling us to be a church that, that is different to the world around us, not antagonistic to the world. We're the people who are to love our enemies, too good to those who persecute us. And it starts with the house of God. It starts with getting our relationships right. So let's do the one another's.